0: Listening to Detroit today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and as always, thanks very much for tuning in. Regardless of where you fall on the political spectrum, there is a simple fact that we can all agree on. The presumptive Democratic candidate for the 2020 election is an old white man named Joe Biden. And the Republican incumbent is also an old white man. His name is Donald Trump. It's a simple fact, and it's one that is having an effect on the rhetoric we are so used to hearing from President Donald Trump and the pundits who, assist, who support him. Adam Serwer is a staff writer at The Atlantic, and he recently wrote a piece looking at how the devices that helped propel Trump to the White House in the first place aren't really working now that he's running against someone who is demographically just like him. Adam, welcome back to Detroit Today.
1: Thanks for having me.
0: So you write that the president is having a hard time deploying his traditional culture war playbook against Joe Biden. Uh, Talk about why that's true uh, and how that is playing out in front of us.
1: Well, for the past uh, 12 years, uh, the the Republican Party has been able to go after Barack Obama or Hillary Clinton on racial and gender terms. And uh, Trump has been preeminent among the people who've done that. He's. Uh, rose to prominence in the Republican Party off the slander that the first black president wasn't born in the United States. Um, and he, you know, uh, rocketed to the top of the uh, Republican primary in 2016 in the midst of, uh, you know, some pretty sexist comments, which I, I believe were a kind of proxy for what he was planning on doing to Hillary Clinton. Um, so they've, they've been waging this, kind. he's been waging this kind of Uh, Politics on culture war terms for a very long time, and those uh, those devices don't work quite as well against someone who. I mean, it's not just a matter of his supporters not seeing Joe Biden um, or finding him as frightening as Barack Obama or Hillary Clinton. It's very clear that Donald Trump doesn't find the prospect of a Joe Biden presidency as uh, unnerving or, or or frustrating as a Barack Obama or Hillary Clinton presidency. Um, he was in Tulsa and he couldn't, even, you know, he was talking about Joe Biden and he was sort of trying out all these attack lines and he was saying, you know, and in the midst of it, he sort of says, well, he's, he's not even really radical left. I mean, the president doesn't really have a playbook, uh, other than frightening, um, his constituents in racial and gender terms. It's something he did in 2016. It's something he did in 2018 and it didn't work and it's not working against Joe Biden either in part because, uh, you know, Biden is simply uh, less uh, 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 in Trump's eyes. Biden is simply less of a uh, controversial figure, even even in the president's eyes.
0: And and yet, we we do see the president and some of his surrogates playing right now, especially very hard to uh, to the, the the white conservative base that that put him into office uh, Rana romney mcdaniel for instance who is uh, uh, from here in michigan um, chairs the republican party uh, I, I i saw a tweet from her i think yesterday talking about how joe biden supports the tearing down of our monuments and statues and president trump wants to hold the people who are doing that uh, accountable so so they still are trying to push this narrative and the president has been deeply critical of of course the the protests that have uh, t- been taking place across the country uh, has said some really awful things i think uh, about uh, about african americans and and other people who who feel left out of american society in the last few weeks it, it doesn't seem i guess to me that they've changed the playbook even if the playbook that they've been using i guess as you're pointing out probably won't be as effective uh, against Joe Biden.
1: Well, look, I don't want to overemphasize campaigning. The, the objective political conditions are not good right now for the president we have, or, or for the country for that matter, is, is really the big picture. Uh, the economy is in rough shape. We're in the middle of a pandemic that's killed over 120,000 Americans and the federal government has basically removed itself uh, from from, the, uh, from attempting to mitigate it. So when Trump says that, you know, the left wing mob wants to tear down our monuments when he tweets that he wants to, uh, when he goes after the fair housing act, like he did last night, or when he tweets of videos of people screaming, his supporters screaming white power Mm -hmm. or pictures of white people with guns um, confronting a black lives matter protest, or he wants to call it the Kung flu or the China virus, where he talks about tough hombres uh, breaking into your house. He can play every single race card he has, um, but it's difficult to make that. I mean, racism can be an effective political strategy and the president has leveraged it for many years, um, but it is not magic. And if you have done a poor job of making people's lives better for the four years you've been president, it's harder to make techniques like that work.
0: Mm. Uh, you know, uh, when, when when I also when I think about this question and uh, and this issue and and how Donald Trump may have to play it. Um, I, 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 I come back to the idea that this is ultimately about white voters. This is actually about how white voters respond to these messages about race and racism, uh, white supremacy and these other things. And in some ways, this doesn't tell us something terribly good about that either i mean uh, there is something about this observation you're making that i think might have us more concerned about those issues and how they play in not just politics in our society but but in the other cultural institutions and dynamics uh, the, that we're dealing with
1: well i mean i think that i mean obviously the fact that um these attacks are not working on Joe Biden because he is a white guy illustrates the fact that they are still a salient part of American life. I mean, they didn't work on Barack Obama in the sense that he still prevailed, but they obviously shaped perceptions of his presidency to the extent that Trump was able to get elected uh, eight years later, even though he spent or because he spent so much time furthering a racist conspiracy theory Mm -hmm. about the president. Um, So, you know, Biden. The other thing is, is I think it would be too much to extrapolate that Biden would be as good of a candidate against any other uh, Republican candidate. I think it's very clear that Donald Trump only knows how to campaign one way, and he's going to campaign that way regardless of who his opponent is. And in this case, no one believes that Joe Biden, the senator from Delaware, who's always been considered a moderate liberal, is some kind of radical anarchist who is going to uh, let the, the uh, you know, forces of communism run all over the country. It's just, it's not believable that the president doesn't believe it. If you look at the merchandise that, uh, that, that they're selling at Trump rallies, they're still selling Hillary Clinton gear because they can't get uh, themselves ginned up enough about Joe Biden to, to actually make up some nasty t-shirts about him. Uh, you know, it, it says that racism and sexism are still, powerful forces in our society, but it doesn't say that those forces cannot be overcome.
0: Mm. Um, I'm talking with Adam Serwer, a staff writer at The Atlantic. Uh, He covers politics and recently wrote a piece titled, Trump is Struggling to Run Against a White Guy. We're talking about the racial dynamic that helped propel Donald Trump to the presidency in 2016 and whether that dynamic is quite as powerful Year in 2020, in part because his opponent, his likely opponent in November uh, will be a Democrat named Joe Biden, who is like Donald Trump, an old white man, has the power of appeal to white supremacy and appeal to racism, uh, dulled itself uh, because in part of uh, in part because of the opponent that the president will face in the fall uh, as always the number here on the phones is 313-577-1019 that's 313-577-1019 what do you make of the chances for Donald Trump to be reelected in the fall what do you make of the messages that we're getting now from the trump campaign about race and racism uh in the country do you think they'll be effective in chipping away at a pretty substantial lead that joe uh, that joe biden now has in the polls or do you think that the president may have run out of steam with that approach uh, something that he's been using for a really long time also give us a call if you're a trump supporter Uh, did you vote for him in 2016 do you plan to vote for him again this year, and tell us what you make of this kind of messaging. Uh, Do you think it's effective? Do you think it's uh, the way that he ought to be trying to win the presidency? Or uh, is it something that you are even concerned about and you'd rather have him uh, talk about some other things while he's campaigning? Uh, for re-election, as always again the number here on the phones is 313-577-1019 that's uh, 313-577-1019 you can also go to the wdet facebook page and put comments there or you can go to twitter and hashtag detroit today and we'll work you into the conversation um uh, adam i want to ask you about what you think uh could be effective messages for this president um the the polls suggest a a very very steep climb for him at this point Uh, of course it's july and the election is not till november there's a lot of things that could happen and almost certainly will happen between now and then but but what kinds of messaging would would be effective for this president against a candidate like joe biden uh, who kind of dulls the effectiveness of Of this white supremacist message
1: so obviously there's a long time left a lot of things can change we've already had an economic collapse a pandemic and a nationwide uprising against discrimination and policing so and you know we've got quite a few months left before the election so Mm -hmm. anything could happen what I will say is that I think the most effective uh, you know I'm not a political strategist I think the most effective thing the president could do is actually address the nation's problems I think it uh, speaks to his unfitness for the office. uh, When we have the worst outbreak of COVID-19 in the world, particularly among wealthy countries, we have an economy that is struggling because of the epidemic and the president is worried about CNN's ratings or tweeting vengeful things at people he doesn't like or and cannot even bring himself to act as though he is focusing his attention on the problem. And I think that that perception has been embedded over the past four years, it's very hard to change. Uh, If you are the kind of person who seems like he's preoccupied primarily with himself, you know, in decent economic times, people aren't going to be worried too much about that. But in times like these, I mean, look, even states that have, in my view, handled the pandemic poorly, their leadership, their governors have received a boost in public support because they appeared to be concerned with the problem. And I think the president's big problem is he can't even pretend to be. Mm. Uh,
0: we, again, predictions at this point are very, very difficult, but uh, talk about some of the opportunities that the president might have to shift that message. The convention is not going to be the same kind of convention that, that we normally have, uh, I, I don't think any of us knows what debates are going to look like this fall. Uh, the, the, the typical markers, I guess, that you would look at as a campaign as, as chances for this, I think also maybe confound uh, the path for, for, for the president.
1: Well, I think it's actually a mistake to think of those moments as the, the key inflection points uh, for how the president can turn his campaign around. The best way for the president to turn his campaign around is to more responsibly handle uh, the the outbreak, mm-hmm. the economic collapse that has happened as a result of the outbreak, and the protests against police brutality, which he has—I mean—in in terms of these three major events, he has fumbled every single one of them in the eyes of the public. Mm-hmm. And if he wants to re- to reassert himself in the campaign, despite the fact that over the past four years he's very much struggled with approval outside of the Republican Party, uh, you know, he's going to have to actually do his job better. Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, let's go to Anthony in southwest Detroit. Anthony, welcome to the show.
1: Hi, how are you doing today? Good, um, how are you? Yeah, so obviously I'm great. But obviously, you know, I don't like Trump. He's the most despicable, vile, off-the-wall maniac. But I don't see Joe Biden as any better, man. I think it's trading one for another. He was talking about all that super predator stuff back in the 90s, mm-hmm. just like Hillary Clinton was. And furthermore, you know, I see Jennifer Granholm on Twitter right now talking about oh, we need bipartisan unity, tweeting, oh, we have George Bush administration officials to back Biden. Hmm. Really? That's what we want now? As Democrats, quote-unquote, or as left people? Uh, Progressive, uh, whatever?
0: Yeah, so Anthony, I, I'm going to ask you the question I ask everybody. You going to vote for Joe Biden in, in the fall? No. You're not? Okay. Never
1: even thought about it for one second.
0: Wow, wow. Anthony, I really appreciate the call uh, and the perspective. Adam Sirward, that points to a I guess, a different kind of problem, which is that uh, Joe Biden may have a hard time getting traditional Democrats or or far-left Democrats to support him, even against someone like Donald Trump.
1: Um, All all respect to your last caller, but the the polls aren't really showing that right now. I mean, it's possible that that could change. You know, I'm not going to tell anybody who they should vote for, but as as a matter of substance, the two candidates actually could not be more different different on the the vast majority of issues. Whether you're talking about the economy, whether you're talking about support for unions, whether you're talking about environmental regulations, whether you're talking about the size of the stimulus that they need to do to revive the economy, and and, and personally, from my uh, personal perspective, they differ on, on the substance of whether or not the United States. Uh, should be a democracy where the president doesn't have the power to do whatever he feels like whenever he feels like it. And to me, uh, you know, those are big issues. But, you know, even on the question of racial justice, the last uh, administration Biden was in was the Obama administration and engaged in the most aggressive oversight of police departments. Uh, under the uh, you know under a provision of the law of the crime bill that Don, uh, that Biden helped uh, that Biden helped write although he didn't write this provision this provision was written by police reformers um, they uh, uh, they engage in the most aggressive oversight of police departments of any administration ever um, and the result was a backlash in which police unions heavily backed Donald Trump and you can see this um, in the in the reaction to the protests the Minnesota Police Union president Bob Kroll talked about at a Trump rally he said you know. Barack Obama oppressed and, uh, and and put the handcuffs on the police instead of the bad guys. This was a huge issue in 2016 for mm-hmm. the police unions for mm-hmm. similar reasons because we had all these cell phone videos of uh, black people being gunned down by cops um, uh, uh, for no reason. And so, you know, the, the notion that, I mean, it's very true that Biden has a record on crime that personally I have been very critical of and other people it's have been very critical yeah. of. But to act as though there is no difference between the two of these men is actually a mistake yeah
0: yeah it, it, there is a huge difference i th- i do hear though from a lot of friends on the far left that they they find those complications uh, that joe biden presents uh, really confounding and and i think anthony that kind of represents that. Uh, Adam Sirwer staff writer at The Atlantic. Always great to talk to you about this and uh, wonderful to have you here to talk about uh, your piece about the president running as a white guy. Thank you very much for joining us. Thanks for having me. All right. That's going to do it for us. Uh, tune in tomorrow when we're going to revisit an hour of Detroit Today that features Atlantic writer David Frum and a professor who is thinking about white backlash in response to black progress. This is 1019 WDET, Detroit's NPR station, your connection to news, music, and conversation. We'll talk again tomorrow.